what we're going to do is we're just going to do a little intro with you. But what what we do on our show generally is we'll pick a film and then review it. So obviously we're doing This Is England. We're not going to do a review of This Is England while you're here, uh, and like because <laughs> that'd just be weird. Um, so <laughs> so what we're going to do is sort of do our normal episode review and then have you guys and have a conversation with you and then just kind of slot that in somewhere. Yeah, uh, cool. Just as kind of extra information, because otherwise we're literally going to be like talking about how much we like the film. <laughs> and you're just going to be sitting there going, oh, oh well, nice, it's thanks. You're not going to like it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've not seen it, is it any good? <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the, um, the early discussion when I was asking Alan about having you guys on. It was like, yeah, it'll be fine because we both love the films, so we don't have to worry about offending them or anything. Well, that's good then, because you won't be the first podcast host I've knocked out. <laughs> Is the other one Andy, though, by any chance? Okay, so basically, uh, I'll just do a, I'll just do a little introduction, and then we'll kind of put that at the beginning, so everyone knows you guys are going to be on the show, uh, and then we'll just sort of just generally chat. We're not going to be too formal about it. Okay. Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. Uh, This week we've got a very special episode, but first of all, I'm Alan, and as always, this is Sol. Hello. And we've got two guests this week, and two very special guests. We have the stars of This Is England. We have Thomas Tagus and Andy Ellis. Hello, bonjour. Hiya. Hello, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, Welcome, we're really, hey, thanks re- for having us. Yeah, really happy to have you, have you on board. Uh, we want to pick your brains a little bit about the film, I suppose. We're going to be talking about the film. Uh, but first of all, how are you doing, guys? How are you? Are you everything all right? <laughs> Yeah, well, good. Apart from uh, <laughs> the world going, the world going mad. Yeah, how how are you going? Are you isolating at the moment? Are you all tucked up in your little houses there? Yeah, I'm isolating. My, my little girl had a bit of a temperature, but she's uh, she's fine now. Um, so we're we're still until at least next Thursday before we can go out shopping or anything. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. it's a bit, it's a. Bit... That's the worst thing with it. Is just the. The symptoms are like the most generic, broad set of symptoms that could also be anything else. I, I've convinced myself I'm going yeah. to with it about ten times this week now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a- actually genuinely had some sort of chest infection for about a week with no other symptoms whatsoever, so I don't think it's that. But yeah, when you start coughing, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> Plus I don't go out and cough because I'm yeah, going to I, I had really bizarre, like, lethargy about two days ago where I just felt so tired. And I, I realised I think it might be a vitamin D deficiency because I'm not going outside <laughs> anymore. But for a minute, I was really worried. So have you, guys, have you guys got company in isolation? You're not on your own, are you? Yeah, I've got my wife. I've got my wife. She's here with me. But she's a key worker, you see. She works in a nursery. So oh. she's been sort of back and forth to work throughout the week and stuff. But... um. I don't know. I think as an actor, because you spend so much time yeah. on your own anyway, when you're in between jobs, you sort of like we've been we've been practice, we've been sort of preparing for this for years. Sitting yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. We've been preparing for years. You sort of like you get used to your own company, and then when else when someone else is round for me, like Charlotte, Charlotte's finished work now because they've closed the nursery. But um, 
So I'm going to have Charlotte sat around the house all day. And it's like, it's going to be weird for me because I'm so used to being on my own. So it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. I'll be interested to see whether we're still married at the end of this. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a slew of divorces after this, after like two oh, months yeah. down the line. We're either going to be divorced or we're going to have a kid, one of the two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, just, she just gave me the funniest look ever for saying that. <laughs> was it like a sexy look? No, it was uh, a no. joke off the <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's that's what i'm like at the moment i'm because uh, i've got my wife and uh, my wife's a key worker as well she's a, she's a nurse but because we're self-isolating now it's literally the foot because i've got my wife and then my two little girls so yeah we're kind of crawling up the walls a bit you I, know? Think everyone is. <laughs> I, I, I noticed out the window earlier this morning um someone in the flat opposite me not quite opposite has put a sign up saying "Stop looking in my windows, you fucking nonce." And, and <laughs> I really hope it's not aimed at me. I, I don't think I've been looking in their windows, but it's bringing the best out of people. Though that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> right, Sol. Uh, we have got uh, obviously a, a fantastic uh, interview coming up with Thomas Tagus and Andrew Ellis later on, but. We want to talk about the film without them <laughs> in the room so that we can be nice and honest. Um, but as everyone's going to find out, we're going to probably be sickeningly sycophantic about this whole film, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, probably in probably one of the most egregious examples of us both just really loving the film. Uh, not to give too much away. So we, yeah. we're going to try and not be too just a total love fest about the film. We're trying to actually analyse it a little bit properly. Yeah. We, we we try and, you know, go for a balance of opinions, but Calvin doesn't like it and didn't want to do this episode. <laughs> and it didn't seem worth getting another guest on, on top of our special guests. So you're, you're stuck with us to... Uh, fawning over it, I'm afraid. But we've got plenty to talk about because we've got the original film, obviously it was released in 2006, and then there was three, basically, mini-series uh, spread out over several years, um, continuing the story. And so we'll yeah. get into that a bit later. Can we, can we touch on that? Oh, yeah? Yeah? How come it's considered three mini-series and not just a TV series that ran for three seasons? Well, I guess it's because they changed the title. <laughs> I suppose that's what it comes down to. Yeah. When you when it comes down to it, though, it, I mean, it essentially works as a little film within itself because it's sort of like a sequel film, and then you jump forward two years, and it's like what's happening yeah. to them now, and it's just sort of quite a long film, isn't it? A few hours. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. I think it only works as one whole. Do you know what I mean? This is England '86. Is not a satisfying body of work on its own. It's a satisfying first part of a three-part thing. Yeah. So that's why I'm always a bit hesitant to think of it as a miniseries, I guess, because it doesn't feel self-contained. It feels like you need to watch the, the two following series to see it all come together. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let's not jump into that just yet. Yeah. Let's go yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the film. Let's go back to the source. Because I, I remember back in 2006, around that time, I was really getting into film. Uh, but mm. it was before I went to film school and everything. It was, I was in my early 20s. And it was when I was just really getting into film as an interest, which then developed into 
something a little bit more serious. And so I was watching a lot of films. I got the cinema every week, several times. Um, and so as part of that, I was doing little kind of, not exactly full reviews, but I was sort of writing down my thoughts about stuff. And at the end of the year, I would kind of do a top 10 list of my favorite films for the year, which I know you still do now, but I don't really kind of do that anymore because I don't keep up to date with current films very well. But anyway, I remember... I I can't wait. I can't wait until this year's done because I think it's going to be the most fascinating top 10 of the year from all the critics coming in. (laughs) It's going to... Everyone's going to have, like, Trolls World Tour, Bad Boys (laughs) for Life. (laughs) It's going to be the most meagre selection of uh, films. But yeah, I remember in 2006, my favourite film of the year was This Is England. It was was number one on the list. Mm. Um, So... Well... I, I, I wish I could be that um, that cultured. But, you know, bear in mind, you, you are a bit older than me, yeah. so you're probably a bit more mature at the time. Um, I think very firmly, if you'd asked me in 2006, I would have said my favourite film was Borat, the cultural <laughs> learnings of America for Make Benefit, Glorious enough, Nation yeah, of Kazakhstan. Um, which, you know what, we really need to cover that on this podcast soon, because I want to revisit it. Uh, and see if it holds up or not. I'd be very much up for a Sasha Baron Cohen season. Maybe maybe get it two episodes out of or something. Maybe not too Yeah. Many. <laughs> we jokingly put a Diminisode out suggesting the idea, but yeah, but maybe we will. There's plenty of things to talk about there. Mm, mm. But anyway, if you'd asked me back then, I think my second favourite of the year was very firmly This Is England. And similarly to you... It was a very formative time for me, 2004, 5, 6, uh, 7, was when I was really getting into film and really starting to push myself to watch the classics as well. I I was starting to gain access uh, via the internet. Um, I think I just signed up for Screen Select, which later became Love Film, uh, which was sort of the British equivalent of the postal version of Netflix for any American listeners. Um, so I, you know, suddenly I was watching these, uh, classic films. And when I say classics, I don't mean things like Gone with the Wind or, you know, Dr. Zhivago. I mean, pop culturally relevant, you know, Planet of the Apes I'd never seen or Dawn of the Dead, you know, films like this that I'd seen referenced and and influencing pop culture, but I'd never actually watched. And... This Is England was, I think I first heard about it from, have I ever spoken about my racist friend from uh, high school (laughs) on the show? I don't think so, no. (laughs) Right, well, I suppose now's a good a time as any. Um, I had a a friend at high school, uh, and he was a great guy, I think very, very, very firmly on the spectrum. Um... (laughs) I'm not sure if we're just talking Asperger's or full-on uh, autism, but he, he he did the thing of having like a hobby that became his obsession, and that was all he would engage in. But he would do that for months at a time and then move on to something else. Yeah. And so for much of the time at high school, you know, he was he was obsessed with Michael Jackson, which uh, has taken on some connotations now, but it was very innocent. Um, he was obsessed with Robin Williams for a while. Oh, yeah, uh, Jumanji. <laughs> um, Halo, the video game series. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, the video game series. Eazy-E, the rapper. 
he, he had, you know, a wide, varied selection of pop culture that he was just obsessed with. And at some point, he got really interested in Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this sort of very awkward thing where everyone kind of realised their their good friend was becoming a racist. Um, and, you know, they'd sort of engage with, with him and try and convince him that what he was saying was stupid and so on. But it was always hard to know how much of it was just him trying to be provocative and... Mm. Anyway, but um, he got wind of This Is England very early on. And I should probably add as well, you know, This Is England is uh, an 18 certificate in the UK. Uh, And, you know, I was 15 or 16 when this came out. So, you know, it wasn't wasn't like I really could even go and watch it in the cinema if I wanted. Um, So it was a bit kind of unattainable as a new release. But anyway, he told me about it, and I remembered thinking, I think I'd seen that it had been nominated for a BAFTA or something, and, and he was like, oh yeah, this is great film, this is England, and it's it's great, it tells it like it is. And I remember thinking, like, well, I imagine it's not condoning the racism <laughs> it probably portrays, but um, interesting. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I watched it, and we'll we'll surely talk about the discussion of race later mm-hmm. on, but I, I, I think it's interesting that Sadly, you just can't make um, satire or art that comments on something because there's always going to be someone out there who doesn't get it, <laughs> basically. And and I should add, uh, Tom. Oh, should I name him? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> this this friend Tom, who went all racist, um, at some point down the line, he got bored of Nazism and he got really into communism. So now he's <laughs> obsessed with that instead. So you know he. It, can't read too much into it though. <laughs> yeah yeah and i remember finally in fact you know i think this was one of my earliest rentals now that i think about it on dvd um perhaps i'm not sure but i remember sitting down to watch it and just being absolutely just absorbed by it taken in you know it, it yeah. was something i i know there are many films like this and that this is born out of a tradition of kitchen sink drama in britain yeah, yeah. but at the time i had never engaged with any of that so for me this was something i'd never seen before it was this kind of grimy dirty council estate realism but and, and and melodrama, frankly, but done very sincerely and with enough skill behind it to make it work. And I got really obsessed with... I mean, at, at the time, uh, age 16 or so, I was already really into the idea of finding beauty and just nice, you know, aesthetics within run-down, drab, grimy-looking things and places and i i remember watching this film and just being blown away by how amazing it looked to me like visually just the the cinematography the choice of locations and scenery they're really interesting to look at even though it might be a horrible you know building you wouldn't want to actually actually live in and it's disguised because it's not a film that is an obviously aesthetic film you know it's not like a glossy we look at these fantastic visuals we're showing kind of film. It feels yeah. character driven, but it is there. Yeah. Yeah. 
this is a very rare ca- even now this is a rare example of a film that really connects with me that doesn't have a robot in it and doesn't <laughs> have an alien in it or any zombies <laughs> you know i i've had this discussion with people who who swear by realism in film and mm. if i can't relate to it i'm not interested blah 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 and i always say like yeah but tell a tell a compelling human story but put a robot or a, a vampire in it, put a werewolf in it, because otherwise that is just real life and it's boring, and there, there's no need, there's no reason why you can't tell a compelling human story with a monster in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why not add that extra element? It's one of the few things that makes film film instead of just telling someone an anecdote that happened mm. to you. Uh, but this is this something like this is much more boiled down to yeah yeah it's really character driven. But but that's what I find weird is you know I, I and it's not a hard and fast rule I love loads of films with no genre elements at all but you know a film like Her where you know Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with a computer that film made me cry you know it it that had a profound emotional effect on me yeah. because of the the romance that was being explored the relationship that was being explored, but it was being done in this kind of interesting way. And I've seen a million films do the exact same sort of thing, but it's just two people, and it just doesn't engage in the same way. And I think, well, it's been done, who cares? And so it's very rare for me that a film that is this stripped down and straightforward um, really connects with me on this level. That's it. For, for me, I, this is the sort of thing that I like. So, you know, the kind of social realism stuff, very stripped down. That's definitely what I respond to. But at the same time, it it, it can be hit and miss. You know, it, it it needs to be done right. It needs to be engaging. Um, because these things do have a tendency to just fall into meandering kind of snapshot of a life. Oh, I've seen so many bad examples of this sort of thing. Yeah. You know, God, we went to we went to film school. Um, we were <laughs> we were the generation of of film students fresh off of seeing This Is England. <laughs> so I think it was particularly prele- uh, prevalent in our year. But that's you know I'm sure it exists every year at film school. People yeah. who just want to make a quote unquote real kitchen sink drama. But then it's like. You know, I, I guess I'll just drop um, the clip from Adaptation in here where Brian Cox yells at Nicolas Cage, why the fuck should I care about your your film about nothing? Sir, what if a writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change, they don't have any epiphanies, they struggle and are frustrated and nothing is resolved? More a reflection of the real world. The real world? Yes, sir. The real fucking world. First of all, you write a screenplay without conflict or crisis, you'll bore your audience to tears. Secondly, nothing happens in the world? Are you out of your fucking mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide, war, corruption. Every fucking day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every fucking day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love, people lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches a mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Somebody else betrays his best friend for a woman. 
If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any use for it. I don't have any bloody use for it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> See, for me, I, I remember watching the film at the time, obviously I saw it at the cinema, but then I don't recall... I must have seen it again at some point, but then, yeah, I watched it in preparation for this, and it had been a long time since I watched it, a long time. And I think, definitely for me, it, because it's not a film that you're going to, oh, I'll just throw that on, that'll be a bit of a laugh. You know, it's not, it's something you yeah. want to sit down and watch kind of properly. I think it was one of those where I was like, do I want to watch that again? Do I want it to disappoint me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like 10 years further on the line? It was a weird one, because obviously, as I say, I'd been keeping up with the TV series. Don't get me wrong, I, I love the TV series, but the film is obviously edited down to the strongest 90 minutes or yeah. so possible. Whereas the TV series, there's a lot more room to let things get through that probably would have been cut from a film. Mm -hmm. So I, while I do love the TV series, I think there is a lot of weaker stuff in it yeah. where it kind of shows the cracks a bit of what they're doing. And that, I I was kind of worried that I would then, you know, go back to the film and it would be like, oh, it wasn't as good as I remembered it. It was always kind of like the TV series, you know, just like... For me, it was, yeah, I'd, I'd been, it'd been a long time since I watched the film. I watched it again, sort of in preparation for this, but it was a while back now. And then I'd never watched the TV series. It was partly because I didn't have a TV, but also... It was the same thing. I was like, Do oh wait, I... you you you'd never seen the TV series until just I watched it this until week. Until just now. Yeah. Oh wow, okay, and that'll be interesting was, to go through. Again, it was it was sort of the same thing where I was like, oh, is that just going to am I going to be interested in that? Is it going to ruin it for me? And so anyway, I ended up watching it for for this podcast essentially. That's what uh, triggered me to go and watch it finally, sort of mm. in the last mm. week or so. So I watched it all in quite close contact. And then yeah. I went back and watched the film again uh, after that, just to refresh my memory, but also because I wanted to, because now I'd seen this very in-depth story of all these characters, I was like, I want to go back to where it started now. I want to sort of yeah, see where they were. Yeah. Well, I, I weirdly did the same thing. I, I, for whatever reason, starting the rewatch, I think just out of necessity, uh, getting it done in time, I started on the TV series because it's all available on 4OD yeah. for free. Um and I didn't have my DVD to hand at the time. And so I ended up watching the series and then going back to the film as well. And it is kind of an interesting way to do it. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was what what really interested, what was really interesting about it was how small the film felt after, after yeah, that. Because yeah. obviously you've got this expanded world now. And then you go back to the film and LOL, the, LOL, who is probably the main character, has the main narrative drive throughout the series has about five lines and is just, you know, Woody's girlfriend and she's not in it that much. Woody isn't even in it that much. Once Combo comes in and yeah. he kind of walks away, he's really not in it anymore. And it's... But then you know these characters so well now and they're so fleshed out and that, that fleshing out is there in the film. Mm. Like, you know yeah. there's the yeah. depth there. When you look at Woody and Lowell's relationship in the film, they're just boyfriend and girlfriend, they're teenagers... You know, in hindsight, ten years later, they're they're sort of in love and and they've got babies and stuff. It's that that's totally there. You can believe that. 
Um, and I think that obviously comes from the way Shane Meadows works, in which they do a lot of character work and really develop those characters, even if it's not seen on screen. And I watched, just in, in relation to that, I watched an interesting clip uh, on YouTube. There's all sorts of stuff on YouTube that's, it was like, you know, rehearsals from This Is England or something. And it was the scene where uh, Sean comes home and he's had his head shaved and his mother like, what the bloody hell have you done? Why well, you got a head shaved yeah. and stuff like that. And in, in the film, what you see is that, and then it cuts to they it cuts to them going to the cafe. Oh, I'm not messing around now. In. Who's lol? Hmm. What have you done to his hair? I I did ask him before I did it if if he was all right with it. Don't you think you should have asked me first? Yeah. I'm sorry. Sean, did I not ask you if it was all right? Yeah, I know, but if he said jump off a cliff, would you do that? No. To be honest, you all look a bit old to be hanging around with him. I'm only in the, the uh, year above in school. Are you joking? No. Uh, I've got problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you will have problems if he touch his hair again. Oh. Oh. Oh God, I'm really Who's sorry. Woody? You behave. I, I'm Woody. I'm sorry, love. No, it's fine. It's, um... I just wanted to thank you because you said he's been being bullied at school and you'd helped him out. You're welcome. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And the clothes and stuff. I think he likes them, you know. I don't mind that at all. But the hair is not good. I'm really sorry. I, I am. I wouldn't have done it if I knew you didn't like it. Listen, I'm going to leave him here with you. I'm going to trust you, Sean. All right? Just mm. kiss. See you later. See you later. See What's your name? Sorry, you? what's your name, love? Cynthia. Cynthia. Nice to meet you, nice Cynthia. Nice to meet you all. Sorry, love. See you later. See you Bye. later. Bye, Bye Mum. You shit yourself. You shit yourself. Now, that's not in the film, him telling her that, but when I was watching the scene of them rehearsing, one of the things that Sean says to his mum is, I was being bullied and would he help me? So those characters have had that conversation. That's not in a script yeah. where she comes into the cafe and then just improvises it. She's had that yeah. conversation with her son in character. All right, it wasn't on film, or if it was on film, it got edited out. But that's the sort of thing that adds so much depth to it. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. You and yeah, you can edit that out. You don't need to see that conversation to then be able to refer to it later. It all makes sense. It's a really interesting way that you're not just rehearsing lines, you're rehearsing the characters and getting into them, which is so kind of rare, really, in acting, which it shouldn't be. And in theatre, you get that a bit more, I guess. But, you mm. know, that's, that's the way it goes. I think this might have connected with me so strongly because I don't really think I'd ever seen nuance in a film <laughs> Yeah. And there's a lot of grey area in this film and I, I love it for it that yeah. scene that you just mentioned I love it to pieces it's a because it's because this mother goes in understandably furious that these guys have shaved their her kid's head mm -hmm. and they're sort of like oh we're sorry we didn't realize and she kind of comes around and says right well don't do it again but you know thank you for looking after him and it's there's it's such a great small moment but just so much going on and it, it it's just a perfect encapsulation, I think, of what yeah. makes this film and this series work. What I what I really like about the scene, particularly, is that you know we have these 
characters that we've been introduced to. Woody particularly, he's like the oldest one, he's the leader. And then Sean's mum comes in and he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, Mrs. Fields, so sorry. You know, he's like, they're instantly reduced to sort of naughty school children. Um, mm. And it, that's so sweet. And it's so kind of telling of that age of life, that sort of teenagers yeah. where you're sort of, you're being independent and you're out on your own, but then, you know, your mum comes in and tells you off still. <laughs> Um, yeah. And especially with Sean being the youngest of the group, and he looks younger than he is anyway, and they're kind of, so he's looking up to them, and that's how we've been introduced to them. Um, so to see them reduced like that, and but it's so real as well. And then, you know, it's great character from the mum, that she's, yeah, she, she's seeing her son get involved with some group, and she's like, oh, what's going on here? But she ultimately sees that they're, you know... They're nice kids, and they're gonna they're being all right with him. So fair yeah. enough. He's happy. Yeah. It's like, and you know, she's so worried about her son. This dad's died, and it, and she's suddenly seeing him happy, and he's got friends, and it's like, oh great. Well, I'm not gonna get in the way of that. It's a beautiful scene. That little one, just little cafe scene. It's it's great. Mm. Mm. Every scene in this film, like that scene where it's just people talking and not particularly big, interesting stuff. Is just so utterly captivating to me. I can just sit and watch it, and it's it for me. This film is that real kind of. If it's on in a room, I will kind of sit down and not be able to not pay attention to it, kind of thing. And it's it's weird to be saying it about this film because I normally say that about stuff like, you know, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you get later into the film with Stephen Graham combo yelling and doing big moments, yeah, of course those are very captivating moments but it's amazing how well this film manages to do it with the smaller stuff as well i think i've spoken about this before on the podcast but i am absolutely in love with joseph gilgan i i he is i mean i I still need to watch that sitcom he's doing you know I, i i did watch the first episode of preacher and i was very pleased that he'd sort of made it over to america and then i was absolutely gutted to find he was doing a thick Irish accent. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny there? Right. <laughs> I really thought that TJ was south of Vegas. So I might be wondering why we're heading toward the sun there, boy. Yeah, but what do I know? I'm just another shit-faced Irishman. Am I not? <laughs> Am I not just that? <laughs> <laughs> Half the appeal of him is his, you know, his Lancashire... Um, sterling, mate. Sterling, he yeah. Absolutely bloody sterling. But he, I mean, I have to, he is one of the most phenomenal actors I, I have yeah. ever seen. I, He cannot, he can't help but be utterly captivating to me. I don't mm. know what it is, and I, 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 I'll talk about it more when we get to the series, but, you know, yeah, that, that was his, his time to shine, yeah. But, I mean, do you want to talk about the acting at all, like, now? Because, you know, I, yeah. I want to go through pretty much everyone in this film and sing their praises individually, really. <laughs> yes. there, there's, there's a very... There's a very specific acting style that most of the cast take on, and I think it's probably the result of them not being actors, per se, Mm-hmm. But it's that kind of way of talking like this. It's a very specific <laughs> rhythm, you know, Alan. <laughs> but it 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 works, you know. It's it's real, and and I have to say, I I didn't want to say this in our uh, segment chatting to him himself because it would just seem like arse looking. But you know, <laughs> getting a child performance 
of any, of any standard in film <laughs> is hard. Thomas Turgus in This Is England is probably the best child performance I could think of off the top of my head. Mm. You know, it, a lot of that is down to how he's being directed and edited and everything, but it is a a remarkable performance for for a child of that age in yeah. you know dealing with the kind of uh, weighty concepts as well. Um, and and you yeah. know he is very much the protagonist of this film, and you know he, he's he's wonderful. There's a lot of weight on him. Yeah, a lot yeah. of weight. And I I, I want to. This is probably a good time to reference Kez. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, there's a, yeah. there's there's an obvious comparison there, and I think there's a very deliberate. There's a couple of scenes that I think Shane Meadows certainly was making deliberate reference to Kez. Like oh, absolutely. The, just the, the very opening scene where uh, Sean's getting out of bed. I mean, that's the opening of Kez, him getting out of bed and lighting the fire and stuff. And then the caning scene at school that that happens in Kez. I think that's probably deliberate reference uh, mm. on on Shane Meadows part yeah but without it being obtrusive but it's just like you know I'm giving a nod to this obvious forerunner of you yeah. know a working class kid and just stop showing his life and yeah and I think you're right uh, the from what we've heard and we, we did the we did the interview with the guys obviously they told us a bit more details but it was very much just them kind of playing themselves letting the character come out from yeah. their own personalities and that gives such a natural performance to the whole thing and a lot of the scenes are quite heavily improvised so that natural feel really comes through yeah in the acting and it, yeah how well does that translate to then if you want to go on and make a career as an actor i don't know but i will say this you look through the cast of these actors a lot of them this is their first professional credit or maybe they've done room for romeo brass and they've done it but so many of them have gone on to have acting careers yeah 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 significant acting careers it, it, it was yeah. yeah i mean this is an incredible bit of casting this film they discovered well they made wonderful use of Stephen Graham. I suppose we don't really need to spend too much time on him because I've already sung my praises for him on this podcast before. But I mean, he, I, was, prob- he was probably the most established actor on absolutely, the set. Absolutely, yeah. Frankly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Judging by the season. I love Stephen Graham. And, you know, th- this is the reason that I love him. This is his tour de force performance. Yeah. He is, again, absolutely phenomenal in this film. It is an incredible performance he gives. Fucking Falklands? What the fuck's the Falklands? Fucking innocent men, good fucking strong men, good soldiers, real people losing their lives, going over there thinking they're fighting for a fucking cause. And what are they fighting for? What are they fighting against? Fucking shepherds. Shepherds with fucking rocks and little rifles. Why? Cause I want you to. There's fucking loads of dickheads dying out there for nothing. My fucking dad wants a dickhead. What are you fucking doing, you little? Fuck off. Hey, what are you doing wrong? Shut up. Oh, you little one. What's wrong, mate? Tell me the truth. No, come on, tell me the truth. I just fucking. That's it. Go on. What's My this? fucking dad died in that war. Your dad died. Yeah, get off. Fucking hell, mate. I'm sorry. Oh, fucking shut up about it. I'm sorry, mate. Fucking hell, I'm sorry, lad. I'm sorry. I never knew he died, man. Fucking hell. No, I'm not, mate. If I'd have known, I'd, honest, I wouldn't have said, man. But I'm, what I'm telling you is the truth. So much depth to it. He's a real actor, you know? You, he is mm. someone who you can tell he knows the craft and he thinks about it on the level you have to think about it. And one of the weaknesses, I would almost say, of uh, the TV series is that at the end of this film, you know, Stephen Graham's character, Combo, he's been 
getting increasingly radicalized and more racist and then he builds to a a moment at the end where it all kind of blows mm. over and the superficial reading of that is oh he's racist but yeah. you can tell in his performance there's more going on than that and yeah he's just he's just angry at something and that's yeah. what he's taking it out on he doesn't really know himself what's going on i read in interviews you know well stephen graham is actually mixed race is he what liverpool and manchester <laughs> Um, but no, you know, he's, 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 um, biracial, he's, you know, um, I th- apparently his siblings look a lot more black than he does. Oh, really? I, d- I didn't know that. He certainly couldn't tell from his appearance. Yeah, he, he looks white, and apparently, um, I read in interviews with him, he, he found that very upsetting growing up, that he wasn't part of his family in that way. Well, he he didn't, felt didn't separate. Look like the rest of his family. Yeah, and and yeah, so it says here his his paternal grandfather's Jamaican. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A quarter. And you can see it in his performance. What he is channeling at the end there is jealousy, because he's kind of stuck between you know two worlds in a sense, and he's jealous of this black guy who has a, a loving black family where he was kind of felt a bit alienated from it. And that just gives this incredible depth of performance, and it's very real, because he's obviously drawing upon his own emotions, like any good actor does. Mm. And uh, I, I, he kind of spells it out in the last episode of the TV show. He kind of says, I wasn't angry with you, I was jealous because of your family and so on. Which yeah. I kind of wish they hadn't gone into, almost, because it's nicer as this incredibly subtle beat but um that's that's just you know Stephen Graham is is phenomenal and as long as he's not doing an American accent I could watch him in anything <laughs> uh, yes I agree I think he's fantastic I do think this is probably is probably going to be the thing he's remembered for yeah uh, I mean for anyone who hasn't seen it but has been listening to us talking about it in quite a dry <laughs> analysis um you know it what it's basically about this kid who is a bit of an outsider gets taken in by a group of real a real like mishmash of friends uh, of all well, different they're, they're skinheads, aren't they? I guess that's the idea. But Sean, the main character, is just walking down the street past this gang and they chat to him a bit and he's in a bad mood. He's like depressed because he's getting bullied. And they and Woody, because he's a nice guy, just wants to cheer him up, and so sort of invites him into the fold. He gets taken in by this group, and then Combo gets out of prison and starts corrupting the group, and the group kind of splits essentially into the ones that want nothing to do with the racism and the ones that are kind of open to the racism. But again, it's not you can't just say racism like that because that's not how it's presented, certainly not by Combo at first. Well, it's nationalism, isn't it? It's about nationalism and, you know, he makes a point of uh, making Milky, who's a black character, making him kind of part of it. You say, hey, if you're, if you're English, then you're English, mate. No worries. It, it, it's, it's racism disgu- disguised as something else. And and again, we we know that is because from Combo's point of view, the source of it isn't really racism. It's just frustration yeah. Yeah, at his own yeah, place yeah. in life. And it boils up, and then it reaches a crescendo. Where spoiler alert, uh, he beats the shit out of Milky, the yeah. uh, black character, pretty much yeah. because he is black. Certainly, superficially because of that. Certainly, a racially charged beating. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, w- we leave the film ambiguously as to whether or not he's killed him, but the yeah. important thing is Sean realises in that moment that he wants nothing to do with this and, you know, goes and symbolically <laughs> throws the flag in the sea or whatever it is he does. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is a little bit, a little bit sort of on the nose metaphor, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a big melodramatic finale to a melodramatic film, but I think it plays very well, and you kind of need that final moment to tie it together. And... Yeah, and, and and let's not forget that the flag is a representation of his relationship with Combo as well, and, and that kind of whole period, because it was given to him uh, by Combo. And he's a kid, you know, what is he going to do with this? He just angrily throws it out to the sea, and it's quite an impotent throw, you know. It only goes out three feet and then just sort of slowly floats away. It's it's a perfect culmination of that. Um, I mean, I've kind of said everything I have to say about the film there. Do you, do you have anything else? Other than great, great soundtrack, very eclectic mixture of songs yeah, yeah. that really evoke the time in which it's set. Uh, but I think that largely goes without saying, yeah. really. And they yeah. go... The very opening scene, it's like an eighties montage. Yeah, it's like yeah. what does what represents the Margaret Thatcher? Meadows. It's like the Roman Rat, Margaret Thatcher, and yeah, minor strength. Yeah, so that that was quite nice. So you you do get that in the series as well. They they continue that kind of idea. How would you do a montage like that about twenty twenty, Alan? <laughs> Just a little coronavirus. The hard part would be the song. Knowing what song you'd have to pick to evoke this era. You, you can only do that with, like, 20 years hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it would just be a load of, yeah, a, mo- a long load of news footage montages with uh, coronavirus, people walking around with masks on on the street. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you definitely have a bit of Brexit in there. Bit of Boris Johnson as PM and a bit of coronavirus. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's that's the film. Should we rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. That's fine. All right, well, um, I, I think this is an incredible film. I think it's a really just pretty close to perfectly put together piece of work. You know, all the scenes are very compact and incredibly captivating. It does what it sets out to do very powerfully. So I give this a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I agree with most of that. I think it's a film that really, apart from any, apart from anything else that we've already talked about, it shows the power of editing. Because yeah. they just filmed like, <laughs> yeah. hours and hours of stuff and then created a story out of it, even if they did have some sense of where they were going. Just like the other the other standout film of 2006, Borat, Cultural Learnings <laughs> in America. <laughs> <Obviously>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm sort of totally on board with that. I want to give it a 10 out of 10 as well. Definitely, it's probably in my top five films ever. List, oh, I would say. Ding dong. Oh, oh no. it's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, can we? Have- this this is England, baby. Yeah, I'm English, baby. Yeah, ten yeah, out of ten. English. We're uh, having <laughs> two ten out of tens at once. Oh god! If anyone's listening to this for the first time. <laughs> This is our comedy character, Os Ten Powers, who turns up when a film gets a 10 out of 10 rating. And yeah, the baby! the reason why I never give 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have Os Ten Powers as played by Stephen Graham? Fucking hell, baby, yeah! <laughs> <laughs>
ten, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, and you know, if if anyone is listening to this for the first time, uh, be aware that we, you know, we don't give out tens willy nilly. Alan certainly doesn't. No. Alan hates everything. So, <laughs> um, basically, we've both given it ten out of ten. That's a perfect score. So that means this is now joint first on our ranking of the highest rated films that we've covered on the show. Uh, tied is that equal with Shaun of the Dead? Tied with Shaun of the Dead at number one in our yeah top hundred ranking. British um, so now we just need we need an episode with three people rating the film to give it ten out of ten to beat that. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever do that? Mm, not sure. Calvin's a, a, a wild card. Yeah, we're running out of ten out of tens that I've seen. So yes. <laughs> um. So yeah. Wow. New top film there. Very nice. Excellent. So, we do so, have more to talk about. First of all, we, we have an interview with Thomas Tegoose and Andrew Ellis. Which way just get dropped in here, in the middle? Maybe, maybe yeah. Maybe we'll some see. of it. Maybe we'll spread it out. We'll see. Maybe there'll be some of it here. Maybe not. Uh, right, guys. Well, uh, I want to take you back to sort of about 15 years ago. Um, now, Tomo, I know I've I've seen the odd interview with you and stuff, and obviously you you weren't you weren't an actor. That was kind of the whole point. Um, you, you had no aspirations to be an actor at all. Is that right? Yeah, no, I never. It literally it never ever crossed my mind. Um, I guess you're too young to really know what you want to do at that age, aren't you? Well, I, I was at the age where I wanted to be a professional footballer, like every time. Yeah, yeah. Who plays <laughs> um, So I mean, even. I think even till it was released, I was kind of still like, well, I'm not really that bothered, to be honest. I didn't really get it. And then um, and then I had beautiful women coming up to me in the streets, and I was like, oh, actually, I can get used to this. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but no, it was, it was, it all just sort of happened by accident, really. I was, um, yeah, I was street cast, so I kind of guess I, yeah. it, it was all an accident, um, which just so happened turned out to be the story of your life, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And obviously, with with Shane Meadows, that is generally what he does. He works with a lot of non-actors, or at least, obviously, obviously, you're an actor. These people are great actors, but the way he works is designed to. It's very improv-heavy, and, and and to bring bring the person into the character i guess is that is that a good explanation yeah yeah no he, he definitely does like to bring the um the person into the character um he, he, you know i guess he done that with all of us i i was i had this chat with tom only recently i was kind of cast a little bit earlier on than a few of the other gang members and i was saying this to tomo not so long ago i remember like the other lad who was auditioning to play sean and and how my like wildly different he was and the other would eh? you know because it was it was kind of ultimate, yeah. ultimately in the end down to two people for these different characters and they were just totally different complete different you know people then um, and shane obviously at that point goes for the you know he, he looks at the the person as well as the you know the, the actor and, and what they can bring to it from from their own experiences i guess he did that with all of us you know Mm. Um, myself, uh, my character, I, don't, I think in the original scripts wasn't really that that kind of funny or anything, and then it's just like through improvisations that we done, just kind of made it that way, I guess. I, it was exciting actually reading the scripts and and learning more about these characters that you know very little about, but they're mm. so interesting. You know what I mean? 
Um, so it was it was it was it was great for me having watching it as a fan to see where every other character's gone and not just where Sean is. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, and and being able to bring all those characters out and having the actors there ready to do it is great as well because you cast an actor who's not going to be a huge role in the film, but I guess that's again the way Shane Meadows is doing it he's bringing people who are going to play those people and building the world, even though you don't see it. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say, that's it, you know, and, and he, gave us, he also um, gave us the opportunity to, to help build that world. Like, be, before we kind of went and did the TV series, we did a few sort of, like, little workshops where, you know, we, we kind of thought where our characters would be at and, and what they might be doing and, you know, the, the things that they might be into, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's, 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 you know, one of the most, as an actor, it's one of the most sort of creative experiences we'll ever get, I guess, because we, you know, it, you haven't got someone coming over to you going, oh, no, they, they wouldn't do this or they can't say that. It's like, it's it's freedom. It's it's really nice, I guess. It's mm-hmm. like he, he fucking manipulates your mind in a beautiful way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't even know that it's happening and then he'll just creep away and then he'll say action. And then it's like, oh, fucking hell, I'm crying my eyes out now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that really comes across. Like, I, I can't speak for Alan because he's a bit older than me, but This Is England was an incredibly uh, formative film for me. Like That was when I was about 15, 16, ooh, really getting into movies and, and starting to watch stuff that doesn't just have Jim Carrey in it. Um, and then I was just shown this this you know, quote-unquote serious film, and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before, and um, it, it really just grabbed me as, you know, I, I think the the realism and the the fact that it does feel so natural and, and all of that. And then when I went off to, to film school with Alan, um, I remember it being a very divisive film where, you know, about half of the students there loved it and thought it was this absolute masterpiece, and then the other half boring. Yeah, some of the older <laughs> people. There was one guy in particular, I don't know if you remember Alan, who had a real problem with it, but he was a mature student and his whole problem whenever I spoke to him about it was like, oh, that song didn't come out until 1987! <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. The, the... He, he was a real music history buff as well, though, wasn't he? So that was like really his thing. Yeah, so that's that the thing. Like... I'm the kind of guy I wouldn't want to go for a pint with. Yeah, yeah. you know we all made uh our films that year and his directorial uh effort his big film that he made was just like a shane meadows ripoff in the end it just felt like like a poor man's this is england so yeah i don't know maybe he was just a bit jealous i don't know (laughs) i mean that's the thing with with shane's stuff as well like you know all these films not just this is england you have kind of got to watch with a pinch of so you know because if you if if you look at this as England as it is a serious film but then you know yeah the music's probably not spot on some of the costumes are probably not spot on for the age you know the fact that I'm a Mancunian Tom O's from Grimsby and <laughs> you know Joe Gilgit you know what I mean the, the rest are from Nottingham like that doesn't make sense you know yeah uh, but that's fine you know I I it, that's fine it's Shane casts actors not characters I guess and, yeah, uh, yeah. or characters not you know not actors and. You know, you've, with all Shane's films, I think you've got to just you've got to just do that. You know? Yeah, I I completely agree. It's it's evoking a a feeling, isn't it? Rather than going for historical accuracy to the letter, and it's and it's, it's also really the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's the same in terms of the geographical location as well. You know, it's sort of, it's north kind of somewhere, you know. Maybe it's a bit <laughs> of Sheffield, a bit of Grimsby because there's docks there or, you know, a bit of Nottingham, of course. And so there is this sort of, it, but it doesn't feel like it's being deliberately vague. It just feels like, yeah, it's just setting a period. It's just setting a, a mm. location, yeah. I think it makes it more inclusive as well when you watch yeah. it. And there's yeah. not, there's not, you know, they're not, they're not posh southerners. They're not proper northerners. Like everyone's kind of, you know, there is that mix. You've got Maggie who's, who's southern. Yeah, You've got, you know, me who's northern and, and Tomo who's, who's northern and, and, and a lot of Midlands. Like it, I think that's probably why a lot of people in film school, a lot of young people probably did enjoy it because it, it's just that little bit inclusive, yeah. I guess. It's not, you know. Completely. Yeah. I, I only actually rewatching everything ahead of doing this podcast was the first time it really struck me that oh yeah it's kind of weird they've all got different accents <laughs> and the accents are great you know i i i to this day i i love the way uh joe gilgan says sterling i can't even do it yeah and even stephen graham as well i mean you know obviously he wasn't part of the um the the gang in the film or what have you the younger lot but Again, that accent, um, you know, he pops up from time to time in in uh, your sort of Hollywood fair now. And, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I remember him popping up in The Irishman and being like, oh, God, there he is. And and yeah. feeling almost this sense of entitlement, like, oh, he's one of us. He's a <laughs> um, But it was a bit disappointing because he was doing an American accent. But then I watched the new Hellboy film and it was... He was my favourite thing. This, this sort of scouse pig monster running around with all these American guys. It was just amazing. <laughs> oh, I bet that's your dogs, isn't it, Andy? It's my my dogs going mad at summer. God, those mate, mate, they've, not heard, they've not heard the door knocking months. They're like, what's going on? <laughs> Any noise? They're at it. Uh, so, just to talk about acting again. Um, a little bit. So, yeah, I act. So that's obviously what I'm interested in. Um, but You've been like, in a film with Stephen Graham, haven't you? I have technically. I've been in the same room <laughs> with <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Graham. Yes. Which one scene with that? no lines? No, I did. Uh, no, I was, I was doing yeah some extra work basically. Um, it was a, it was a TV show actually, and he's a policeman, and it's set in the future. I don't think it's out yet. Oh, is uh, it the nice. um, Daniel Mays? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds good. That. It was a really cool looking set. Is it code four oh four or something? Oh yeah, that sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know which one. Oh I know what your dog's barking at. There's a applause for the NHS going on outside. That's what of I'm course thinking. there is. Oh, oh yes, come on guys. <laughs> your wife that's, is that's twice I've missed that now. No one told <laughs> me it was happening the well. first time. Oh, I've got you to miss that, but We'll, we'll sing the praises now on the show. I love the NHS and I think it's <laughs> yes. great. Oh, Same. Yeah. Never vote fucking Tory in your life. <laughs> Anyone who listens to this, if you do, fuck off. <laughs> uh, I think we, we've spent, you know, the better part of four years um, calling David Cameron the devil and so on. I, I think. <laughs> we have, yeah. We did a whole Thatcher devil with yeah. winged <laughs> bat thing. I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's there's fireworks going off outside over here. Blimey. There was fireworks last time, yeah. Wow. Oh man. Oh yeah. I've got I've got fireworks now. I can I can confirm there is fireworks in Wivenshaw. <laughs> there's always fireworks in Wivenshaw, mate. It might not be fireworks. That's a worrying thing. Too. It might not be fireworks. I'm I'm currently laid down, just in case. 
I'm trying to figure out that it might actually be within shore I can see from here, you know. I'm trying to figure oh, out. Oh, whereabouts you where are you? Uh I'm in I'm in Fallowfield, South Manchester. Alright, oh, okay. Alright, yeah, not too might far away. Just be. Might be. Yeah, it's off on the horizon, but I mean it's probably not, but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, oh, hang on. I did have a question about acting. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> got um, yeah. So, I mean, I got the impression, certainly from some of the scenes, uh, that it's very much kind of like they set the scene and whatever they're doing to get you guys in, get, get you guys going, and then it's pretty much just like, look, we've got two cameras over here, go. And there's like, there's no, there's no sort of second take. There's no close-ups or anything like that, or maybe the odd little bit. How much of that is sort of correct? Because it certainly feels that way. It feels like this is a kind of one and done. We're getting all our emotion out here. You can't do this a second time. I think it depends on the scale of the scene, really. If you've got something mm-hmm. like like the dinner table scene in... That's exactly the scene I was thinking of, yes. <laughs> in the, mm. That's in... 90, yeah. See, that they Shane set up eight cameras, um, wow. sat us all around the dinner table and just said, go, basically. And then we did that, and that scene, that that take ran for about an hour, maybe. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, it's really, yeah. It's definitely the standout scene. Um, And then he cut it, and then we we had to go back in and do very, very small little snippets. But um, but then Shane, for the rest of the day, they had scheduled scenes in to do after that. But then after that scene, after we shot it, Shane just said, "That's a wrap. Like we're not carrying on for the day." Um, And you can imagine how much that fucking costs to do um so they caught up stuff on that and uh but yeah i mean it, it that that's it that's the great thing shane's got so much respect for his actors it gives us gives us all the time that we need um and when it comes to things like that it's it's really handy because it, it emotionally yeah. drains you which is why it can be a bit of a nightmare to to take give give johnny harris and vicky scenes in this is england 86 mm. um those scenes, I don't think Shane would want them doing it any more than once. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to get anything out no. of that doing it a second time anyway. So, so they, um, so they just make sure that everything's right, make sure that there's no room for error, um, mm-hmm. and then go. But I guess, you know, if there's like a party scene, what yeah. they do with party scenes is they just put cameras, they put ca- um, camera guys in costumes and then just say, have a party and we'll shoot around you, which is yeah. a treat. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> and we do. And we do. The rave. Um, this yeah, is England. comes across, though. It definitely comes across. got about 200 bottles of Budweiser and left them at the side and just said, <laughs> you, you guys have a party tonight and we'll film it. And that's exactly what we did. Parted our yeah, way. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, like, most scenes, um, th- th- there is there is a couple of takes, I guess, isn't it? See, like, normally what, what happens is, you know, you, you, you kind of normal scene. um the actors and Shane will go into the set. Um, Shane will go right. Okay, guys, you know you know what the scene's about. You've read the script. Here's kind of the the main points of the scene, sort of thing. But just go, just play with it, and then we'll kind of improvise something. And then Shane will go. I love that. I love that. I love that. I don't know about that. Let's maybe give that a miss. Um, and then we'll do it. Say one or two more times with Shane. Then he'll get the um, the crew in. They'll watch it, and then we'll film it, and then. You know, even during kind of maybe the second or third take, Shane might just shout from behind the monitor, you know, try this, say this, or or, or something like that. Yes. And then, yeah, you know, he'll come in for... He normally shoots kind of wide first to get the kind of gist of it, and then he'll jump in and get the odd, you know, close-up and that that yeah. he needs and, and the lines and stuff. But, 
yeah, it's again, it's just it's just a really nice kind of creative way, I guess. Yeah. And just uh, going back to that dinner table scene, like I say, really, I mean, obviously, it, it jumps out. But the, that goes to what I was saying earlier about the, a pressure to to kind of do something, I suppose. Because, Tomo, I noticed your character in that scene, you know, doesn't say anything, really. And fair enough, the character in that scene, with everything else that's going on, it's like you. it makes perfect sense. But do you feel as an actor under pressure to like, oh, I need to add something here? Or you, is it okay you're in the character? Yeah. Silence no, is golden sometimes, isn't it? You don't mm, need yeah. to... You can say something now. I'm not saying that we need to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Silence is golden. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you guys were very young <laughs> as well. Um, I, I mean, for you, how much do you think this film has changed your lives, basically, I guess is the question. Well, I guess without without that, without that we wouldn't, be sat here today you know no and and i wouldn't i wouldn't be sat here with the with, with the great body of work that i've got under me and mm. the friends that i've made along the way and you know I, I, and I, well I you'd be a be, professional footballer though wouldn't you i'd be a professional footballer yeah <laughs> you'd have a lot more money though. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you'd live nearer me if i wasn't an actor i might have some money is what i'm saying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It it, it it changed our lives, you know, completely. I, I was in, I was in my last year of high school while we were filming it, and I remember like we had to have a tutor on set. So, mm. you know, even little things like that that helped me out quite a lot in terms of the grades that I got. But, you know, I, I, I said earlier on the podcast, like I I grown up on a on a council estate where, you know, most people either end up working at the airport or the hospital, and and that's that's the reality, you know, um, so. Yeah, it's changed my life completely. It gave me. It was something I always wanted to do, but I never thought I could do it. I never knew how to do it. Um, I never got. I never got told there was such a thing as drama school or anything like that. Um, so yeah, you know, a lucky, lucky break getting into it, I guess. So yes. How how were you found then, Andy? You know, what was your path to it? Um, I was just your typical kind of. I, I was like naughty, loud kid in high school who 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 got pushed into doing drama. Um, because it, 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 you know, um, I could get all my energy out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with, with, with drama and, and I, I did all the school plays and things like that. And then, um, the uh, ITV used my school as a, as a backdrop for a, a drama series, Marrying Again or something it's called. And they asked all the kids if they'd like to come back through the school holidays and, and be extras. So me and a few of my mates did and, and that, and then the casting director of that, Michelle Smith, she was then a couple of months later casting This Is England, and she just sent, she, she must have thought, oh, there's a couple of kids here who were up for doing this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, ended up going and auditioning for it and, and, and getting it really. And uh, yeah, like I say, right place, right time. I'm, I'm glad I was a little this, shit. Mate. You never knew what? I never knew this. Oh, surely I've said this in your presence okay. before. No, yeah, we've never spoke about this. <laughs> never. Yeah, man, yeah. I yeah, didn't know you in something. Oh, well, oh, you was doing that thing. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Just like extra work, yeah. They just had all the kids as extras. So like it was like, oh, save them not... buying out everyone a uniform. They just made us wear ours and give us a different time. 
And then we got 30 quid a day. Oh, we got 30 quid a day, mate. I did three days. Went and bought, I went and bought one of them. Uh, yeah, I went and bought, um, what are they called? And, and it, it was the NEC camera phones, the first camera phones. <laughs> oh, wow. Went and bought one of them, pair of trainers. Falling. Day one, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so how long was the process then? Was it how many like auditions did you have? Or like what was, like how long before you knew you kind of were definitely in? I went and auditioned. Um, originally for Harvey, um, for, or for the bully. It was just called the bully then. <laughs> I didn't know this either. What the fuck? <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah, thing. so I originally went in, in in the morning with a couple of my mates, um, auditioned for the bully, the role of the bully. And I remember it now, there was a line in there where Sean said something like, you look like the elephant man or summer in the, in the thing. And um, anyway, I, I, Shane... Um, said to me, he said, oh, would you come back this afternoon? Uh, so I came back that afternoon, went in and did an improvisation scene with with Stephen Graham, who was there sort of mm-hmm. helping out. And then um, I carried on doing bits and, and Stephen, bless him, he went outside for a fag with my mum and he just came <laughs> out to my mum and he was like, yeah, I reckon he's got this. And my mum was like, oh, right. So I came out and my mum went, oh, that cameraman said that he reckons you've got it. <laughs> and I went, oh, that fucking cameraman's told me out a snatch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then and then literally the next day, um, Shane's Shane's then wife, um, she she rang us, uh, Louise, and, and told us told me that I'd got the part, basically. Right. Um, yeah, and then and then that was it. And then we did a few kind of audition kind of workshop things in in Notts, didn't we, Tomo? Yeah. After that. So when when you were making the the film, um, was there ever any talk of following that up with a TV series, or was it always kind of approached as a one off, uh, finite thing? And then it was it was off, and it was originally was it called Bulldogs? Yeah, originally it was called Bulldogs, wasn't it? Yeah, the film, mm. yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, I I never knew. I guess when we finished, we I, I had no idea. I I just um, I was I was as shocked as the audience was when I, when I got the phone call asking uh, <laughs> Shane asked me if I wanted to meet to chat about another This Is England, and I was like, right, okay, buzzing, obviously. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's not it's not something that you typically expect, you know, a sequel to. It, it, it's just not that kind of film, is it? Um... I think famously Shane said, Auntie, like, you know, obviously not long after the film, Tomo lost his mum. And um, we all kind of got on a minibus, didn't we, team? We all we were all there for you and came came to the funeral and stuff. And I think Shane Shane said in interviews, Auntie, like it was it was that day really that he he, he saw these, you know, six months before I didn't even have a clue who Tomo was. I didn't even know where Grimsby was. Could have pointed to the place on a map. But, you know, we, we went up there and, you know, for for Sharon Bless and I think Shane seen that and was like, "I can't leave these guys alone. Like these, you know, there's much more here. There's 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 a lot more to these characters, you know. And yeah, yeah. he was, I guess. He's, yeah. he's, he's always got a good story. So I mean, I, I guess on that note, I I've read rumors online that like there's been talk of doing another film at some point. Um, rather than a TV series, is there any truth to that at all, or is you know that just something Shane's mentioned offhand and never really come back to, or or is it something you're not allowed to talk about because it's actively being discussed? I think he he, he would do another one if he knew that it was right. 
Mm. Um, and I think if he knew that, he knew that he wouldn't ruin it. But I guess, yeah, I, I don't know, yeah. kind of like for, for a lot of us, I mean, we, I, I think it's a perfect time to end it. I think 90 was the perfect time. And it leaves the audience wondering, it leaves the audience wanting more. And I guess it's like, you know, when you watch Shameless on the first series, it was amazing. And then the second was amazing. And then the third was amazing. And then it got to series 10 and they're all doing panto in the fucking hall. (laughs) Personally, that's what I'd hate to happen. Well, I I think the advantage there is that the time is passing on and the the characters are aging. So life changes. And it's it's been very, uh, it's been allowed to to do that naturally. And it's very interesting seeing... uh, the likes of um, Woody and Lol and how they've become totally different people and adults with kids and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, and that's what I found really interesting. So I think if you do do something like This Is England 2000, it still has scope. It still has somewhere to go rather than, oh, look, it's the same old characters. Let's just trot them out. Shane's always got a story, you know. He's got countless stories in his head of of his mates and, and whatnot and his life, you know, so... If he's if he's got the story, I'd be there. I'll trust in it and and go again. I don't think it'll end up, you know, being being the shit one. Um, you know, the 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 dodgy third film or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I reckon it'll be uh, it'd be good no matter what. So hopefully, but yeah, yeah. I, I that's how I feel. Is just a fan of it. You know, it, ninety felt like the perfect conclusion to everything, but. You know, it, it, I'd say the same thing about the film itself. So you proved mm. me wrong once before. I'm, I'm happy to be proven <laughs> wrong again. And and I trust that you know everyone involved wouldn't get into making another one without knowing what they were doing. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can, I 100 know that if we even if we started filming on it, even if you know we were filming four months into it, if Shane didn't think it felt right, he'd pull it. He'd go nah, fuck this. Sorry, guys. Hundred <laughs> percent. He'd only do it if he, he. He would. He'd only do it if he. Uh, if he knew. If he had faith in it. I think. Yeah. Well, one of the things we do on our show is sort of put our own ideas for sequels for films, usually in a very kind of <laughs> fanciful <laughs> way. But what I, I was just, wondering, what are your guys' ideas? If you were going to do a This Is England two thousand or you know however far ahead you want to do it, have you? Do you think? Oh, where would my character be? Or do you not think? I think Sean would be on a beach in Cuba with loads <laughs> of <laughs> gadget. Finds out his dad is Hugh Hefner and basically <laughs> goes to the mansion. <laughs> and I'll have gadget wafting me down with giant leaves. <laughs> um, I don't know to be honest. I reckon. I reckon. Um, you know, for gadget, I'd hope that him and Kelly maybe get together. <laughs> That's you're flogging a dead horse there, mate. It's not going. <laughs> I've watched know. it. It's the, the, she's not interested. They're the Ross and Rachel. Of the, this is yeah, we're the yeah. Ross and Rachel. You know what yeah. I mean. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd hope that you know that they maybe got together or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I can kind of see maybe uh, Kelly's life kind of mirroring her sister's life in terms of mm. you know she 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 thinks that she wants this and that, and actually what she wants is in front of her. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Where's Sean? I don't know, mate. 
and that's what I mean with it without having another one. I don't know. I I I think I think it was a perfect ending, I think. Well, I think that what's in, in what we see from Sean in the in the TV series is, you know, by the end of it, he's still like, you know, a young man who hasn't figured out what the hell he's doing with his life yet. That's um, it. And I guess he went off on his photography course with his new girlfriend, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's Shane's job. I'll say what I'm told to say when he writes it. <laughs> It it kind of feels like the end of This Is England ninety is is setting Sean up to go off and make his own film about his experiences growing up and well it's a nice idea but I think a film covering that would be <laughs> sort of too weird and it'd be weird wouldn't it yeah this <laughs> This Is England two thousand and five and it's just a film set with Shane making <laughs> yeah. you know yeah this is um this is this is probably not so much for Tom but. Andy, did you get any choice in terms of hairstyles? Um, no, so basically, um, Gadget's evolution um, in, in costume and, and kind of things that he liked kind of mirrored me a little bit. So when we went back into 86, basically, um, I, I love hip-hop, and uh, Shane knew that. Um, and when we went back to do 86, he, he asked me, he said, look... Get, Harvey and Gadget are going to be these mates, and Harvey's kind of got this kind of cool flock of seagulls thing going on. You know, do you want to do the shit version of that? Do you do you want to do the shit version of that, or do you want to do kind of the, the shit version of, of sort of early hip-hop? And I was like, yeah, hip-hop, like 100%. Gadget, Gadget wouldn't follow the trend now. Um, he'd, be, he'd be doing his own thing. And um, know that the hair is is never my choice, obviously. Um, my So my, my hair on... I think all the series, um, Shane cuts it. Shane comes in. The, the, <laughs> oh yeah, the the costume, the the makeup and costume department do a little bit on it, like dye it and stuff like that. And then Shane comes in at the end with the clippers and says, "Well, this is how you do it. You'd go and get your sister to do it, and this is how it'd look." So, yeah. <laughs> do you get paid extra for that, letting the director do it? Do I for? <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean it is annoying because you know we got we're, when when we're obviously all together and that, especially when we were younger, you know we'd 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 want to go out on the weekends and stuff and, and sort of paint Sheffield red. Um, um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to act like a professional, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you know the the amount of arguments I've had with Sheffield bouncers of why I should be able to keep my hat on inside the club, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, would, did you ever sort of turn up on set hung over and go, no, my character would be hung over, it's fine? <laughs> I don't think we ever turned up on set not hung over, did we? Come on, on a few of them. Yeah, we, we, we got away with hell on there, really, didn't we? We got away with yeah. murder. When we did, when we did Ninte, the, the, the festival scene, um, we, we, we weren't, because we were doing a night shoot and, and the kind of word from the top was that we weren't allowed to drink because we were shooting through the night and it was this big party thing. Um, so we were all like, well, we need to have at least a little drink. Like, we're going to be dancing and doing party stuff all night. Let's... So we all, we, it was like going on a school trip, wasn't it, Tomo? We all went to the Saints. We bought some vodka, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and then we're all, so we're all drinking, um, quote unquote, Fanta um, all day. And then at one point, at one point, Shane comes over and goes, Right, guys. So we're going to go in now. We're going to do this, and then um, have, have you had a have you had a bit of a drink? And we're like, no, no, not even touched a bit. No, Shane, no, no. And he went, 
oh, all right, well, I'll sort you some cans out. And I went, oh, fuck, fuck for that pissed. shame, we're all pissed. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, should we talk about This Is England 86 for a bit? Yeah, which obviously we've touched on this series already, but let's, let's go into a little bit more detail. So so This Is England 86. Yeah, this, this kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anyone expected a sequel to the film. They announced it was happening. It was all very weird, but I, you know, I was really excited for it. Hmm. Um, and I remember being kind of disappointed with it initially because I think first of all because it's four episodes it's a lot slower so the first episode you've got like an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is of of kind of set up instead of it just being like the first 20 minutes of a film yeah and the whole thing does reach a kind of crescendo and come together but it's very much the end of season one of a TV show, or arguably season two. It's not the end of the story. So I think I came away at the time a bit like, was that it? Because I didn't know they were necessarily going to come back and continue the story with another TV series at the time, and the fact that it was a mini series kind of suggests it's a self-contained story, and it isn't. So, But now with hindsight and the whole thing having played out, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great follow-up, and it it largely taps into everything that worked so well about the film. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, not all of this is directed by Shane Meadows now, and and uh, some of it's done by Tom Harper. Mm-hmm. And I do think there are moments where the style of production starts to show its cracks here. Um, where it never did in the film. There, there's a few bits, particularly in the first episode of this, or maybe the second one, where it just feels not natural anymore. It feels written. You can tell the actors are hitting the beats on their script rather than just talking, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel natural to me. There's one scene which I despise <laughs> in this okay, franchise, uh, it is a scene with uh, Lol and Milky talking about On the being rooftop. kid. Yeah, when they're talking about being kids and uh, going down the swimming pool. Oh, and you had you you chose cheese and onion, and I chose salt and vinegar. Oh, maybe I chose the wrong crisp flavor. It's like it's too. It's overwritten. It's stilted. The delivery doesn't work. I hate it. <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you mean. It feels like. We need to set up that these guys might get together, like that it's realistic, and they yeah. kind of jump into that a bit too quickly. And yeah, yeah. I under- I know what you're saying. I also think, and I don't mean to be too kind of nasty, uh, nasty about it, but I think Andrew Shim as Milky is probably the weakest link in the cast, and not to say he's particularly bad. I think, um, you know, Vicky McClure is. Uh, phenomenal in this TV series, as is uh, Joseph Gilgan um, in particular. I think they're the real breakout, standout stars of the the TV show, because Thomas Turgoose as Sean very much becomes a a supporting role. Yeah. And uh, Gadget, actually. Andy Ellis does really get a lot more to do in in this, but it's a Mm -hmm. very different kind of... It's like comedy acting, and and I I do love his yeah. subplot in the 
in 86 with um uh with oh God, trudy. What's her name? trudy trudy who's in the film yes he's the shoe seller yeah right? but i didn't remember until i went back and, and rewatched it yeah but yeah so um <clears throat> yeah, I think Andrew Shearer's Milky. He gets a he gets a bit more to do in This Is England '90 towards the end. You know, he's a big part of the conclusion yeah. of this whole thing, and I think he handles that pretty well. Uh, but I think the way he does it, where the, she says, "Sometimes I feel like I picked the wrong person." It's like, oh well, something's definitely going to happen. Then it kind of she doesn't say that. She says, "I think she says specifically, sometimes I feel like I picked the wrong crisp flavor." Chris Byer, she's Chris, Chris Byer because they oh. were both bought crisps for him. For it, you remember when we were kids? We two used to take it in turns to take me on dates down the swimming baths. One week Woody, one week you. It was freaking expensive. That's <laughs> why I could only afford once a fortnight. And then to top it off, you used to make us buy you crisps on the way out. Yeah, and a one bar and a panda pop if I got off Thursday. <laughs> you always were the princess to please. He likes smoky bacon. You like cheese and onion. Still do. Tom's think I picked the wrong crisper. I hate it. <laughs> I love everything else about this franchise. It's that one scene just <laughs> makes my skin curl. I, I can't do it. Skin crawl, <laughs> toes curl. Uh, but no, I I I do like this, um, and I've really come to appreciate the slow burn. To be honest, on the rewatches of of eighty uh, six, I. Partly because of this bizarre bully character, Flip. Yeah. Ginge! Hey, up. There come the budgies. What you got there, Sean? Some chips. Well, that's rude. You want one? No. Iggy might. Yeah, I'm hungry, Sean. You want one? No. Yeah. Go on then, Sean. I'll have a chip. Come on. Fuck off with your ginger chips, Sean. What do you want? It is bizarre. I don't know what the fuck Shane Meadows and co. were thinking. <laughs> Allowing this guy, Perry Fitzpatrick, to come in and talk like this. Because it's a really affected voice. And it's like a, it's, he's like a Steve Coogan character. That's who he <laughs> it reminds is, it's me of. He's a very big sitcom character, isn't yeah. it? And it just feels out of place. It feels so tonally like just something else entirely. But I... I love him. I I love that yeah. character. I think he's hilarious. I think you know. I, I love it. I and, and the guy who's <laughs> the sort of gormless mate he's got, uh, Joe Dempsey, <laughs> whatever that character's called. Next Iggy. To him. Iggy. Which I is well, I thought it was well. called Iggy, and only when I looked him in the credits, he's actually called Higgy with an H. But oh. no one ever pronounces it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I love him, but he does a lot to carry me through this first episode, and it. But it's like I say, it, it, it's because the film was the same. It's kind of a jovial, fun film for the first half hour, yeah. and then it starts to get bleak. So it makes sense that they were sort of approaching the series from that way. So, um, Gemma, I was um, what's he doing? I was thinking, what? Maybe you could be a fat dog. You what? A big you fat. Take that back. Fat dog. Alright, I'll take you back. I'll take you back. I will protect you. Pass me that lamb. Fucking asshole! You said you weren't going to hit me. No, I never, Ginger. I never said nothing about hitting. Have you set this up? No, I, I, nah. Yeah, you have. You set this up. You've got him to come in here and call me a big fat dog, so you look the big knight in your white plimsolls. 
You fucking thick. Fuck it, I'm dying here. Nobody cares, Jean. Shut up. I'm not thick, Jamal. Ah! Yeah, well, your eyes thick now, innit? Look at my face, all right? Start my new job next week. Oh, you've got a fucking job Shut as well. Shut your freaking up, Ginge. Not for you. Stop hitting me, Gemma. Not for that. Idiot. Gemma, I love you, all right? Yeah, well, I'd rather go out with him than you. At least he's not a horrible, rude bastard. You're dead, Fields. Shut up. You can run, but I'm going to get you in a minute. Um, But anyway, the, the, the main focus, I suppose, the plot... Uh, of 86 is that uh lol her mm. dad is back on the scene is he out of prison mm. is that or is it no he's just I come don't out ever no he's specifies. not is he he's just turned up out of nowhere hasn't he and it's this whole thing of oh there's some baggage here what is it he obviously doesn't get along with lol she obviously hates him the mum is in this awkward position of like wanting to take him back and it's obviously a very toxic relationship, and ultimately, you know, it comes out that he uh, used to molest her as a child. She's, you know, worried he's going to do it again, and he ultimately, in a, you know, really horribly unpleasant sequence, um, rapes one of the gang who... Yeah, one of the friends. And that leads to... Vicky going, you know, not Vicky, lol, <laughs> going to uh, confront him leads to her ultimately getting into a fight with him, killing him, and sort of in self defense. But but she goes there with a hammer. She's that there. I was going to say, she it's goes kind there of, to kill him, but then it's kind of premeditated self defense. It's <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's a great example of the nuance within this series, you know. It, it's mm. Because yeah. she she goes there with a hammer, and you can tell what she's gonna do, but she's afraid to do it, or she doesn't want to do it, and so she's kind of just holding back and holding back, and then eventually she manages to sort yeah. of pluck up the courage to do it, and then it kind of backfires because well, you str- str- he because she doesn't have the element of surprise. If she just whacked him with a hammer, it'd be easy, but she's like she's half doing it and trying to threaten him, and you know ultimately he overpowers her, and you know she manages to get the hammer back, but. It is a kind of interesting scene that you know she wants to do, but then she's not going to, and then but then she is pushed to a point where she has to. You get the impression that you know she probably wouldn't kill him. Did he, you know, were he not to provoke her and attack her, yeah. and uh, you know, um, and of course, combos out of prison for beating the shit out of Milky, who did survive. Um, he comes back uh, to say hi and then sees what's happened. He's got a history with lol um, that's alluded to. and So this whole section, a bit of a combo ex machina, which I, I didn't quite like that he just, oh, he just popped around at that exact moment. See, again, then... this is why I didn't like this series that much when I first watched it, because as a conclusion, that is not a good ending. But as mm. part one of a trilogy of you know little mini series, it's a great setup, <laughs> and that's ultimately what it is. This is setting up for this is England ninety the the actual conclusion to the story. Yeah, I think it's great, but that's why I don't like thinking about this as a mini series really because it it isn't. Yeah, and I. Uh... So I I kind of like that the combo character is doing that. It seems realistic with what we know of him mm. that he sort of he wants to do something good, and he can save this person that he cares about. Yeah. 
by yeah. implicating himself. And it's quite a nice moment. Story continues, obviously, and has repercussions later on. And it's, well, I just to rate it then, I, I gave This Is England 86 9 out of 10. Yeah, same here. And there's, nine out of and 10. there's definitely some kind of leftover good feelings about that. And uh, But there, yeah, I think it really works nicely. It does work as a whole story. I think, you know, there are things that are left where you go, okay, what's going to happen with that? But ultimately, it does work as an ending. You know, com- Combo has taken the blame. He's He's made a sacrificial act and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, then we... It's a nice balance of character and uh, having these kind of odd mo- com- uh, comedy moments. Having, you know, oh, what's Gadget doing over here? Here's a little bit. Oh, what's this kid? It could be Meggie's kid. All right, yeah. Like, we're not really getting into that, but it's just like bubbling over. Um, stuff that you wouldn't get if you cut this down to like a two-hour film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think they just about balance that right in this. Mm. Um, which I say in relation to the next two, which I don't think quite get that same balance. Yeah, yeah well, This Is England 88, the second one, yeah. uh, was originally, I don't know if you know this, but it was meant to be a one-off special. It was meant to be a Christmas special, essentially. Yeah. And they just filmed so much material that it ended up being turned into a three-part miniseries. Um, All right. And I, I think, didn't know that actually, but yeah, that I think that, that is to makes the sense. detriment of this is England '88 because mm. had this been tightly edited down, I think it might actually be my favourite bit of this is England altogether. Um, but as it stands, it's a bit bloated and self-indulgent in places where some scenes just kind of go on too long. But the you know the the, the real uh, main focus of this. Oh, and we should add, we missed in the previous one eighty six the the whole uh, subplot. The the lol is kind of pushing Woody away from her, mm. despite having a pretty nice happy relationship, and she ultimately ends up cheating on him with his best friend Milky um, mm-hmm. as a kind of way of acting out because of what's going on with her dad, and so this is the fallout of that, essentially, where Woody has separated himself from the group, having seen her give birth to a child that isn't his, Mm -hmm. um, despite being, you know, the woman he was devoted to and completely in love with. And, I mean, this is Woody's time to shine. This is the Joe Gilgan and Vicky McClure segment of the story, and I think that's why I like it so much, because... Mm -hmm. I I just love Joseph Gilgan. I love him. He is so un uncorruptibly nice. He, he is just the loveliest guy. And to see him going through this emotional hardship here is, you know, genuinely devastating. I think the and and the acting. You know, there, there's one scene in particular where he and his new girlfriend run into the old gang, and and it's a very prolonged scene. But it's a rare case in this series where I'm really happy they let it play out as long as they do because it, I, I just love it. I love his performance. I think there's so much vulnerability about what he's doing, but mm-hmm. you know he's trying to keep it together and and there's something about his voice and the way it kind of, I can't do it. The way it kind of cracks when he's crying. I, you know, <laughs> it's just. We are not fighting you. Fuck you. Get away. Get away. Get away. 
Sorry to come and fucking sin me, you would have done. You're a fucking snake in the grass. You are, mate. You are. You are. We can't, we were brothers, we were. I'd have fucking died for you. I would have fucking died for you. That's what I would have done. Fucking go away from me, milk. Come on, milk. Yeah, go on, fuck off. He's wonderful to watch, and I love the whole subplot with him getting this new girlfriend who's perfect (laughs) on paper and his family love and his life is you know should be perfect but he's not happy and well that's the whole point of him and and the kind of the skinhead culture that he got into when he was young is that he didn't want to just be a normal person with a normal job like his dad and like he finds them very boring middle class people and then he doesn't want to be like that and so that continues to play and and i i like that I think, whilst I love this dynamic, I think a lot of the scenes with his mum and new girlfriend and dad are a bit too drawn out and two-dimensional, perhaps, a bit... Yeah, I think it makes the point, and then you don't get any further than that. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. But it's quite funny at times. But, yeah, and and the the emotional depth it leads to with, you know, ultimately him and, and Lol coming back together at the end, I just think is, is you know, wonderful. Beautiful, dare I say. I find it very interesting what you said about this being a, intended as a one-off, because this feels drawn out to me. This feels like I, yeah, it's, too, it's too long. You can kind of see the working behind the camera, I think. And yeah. But no, I, I think This Is England 88 is very much a, a victim of not realising that less is more. Same thing that happened to the Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meant to be one thing, turn it into a trilogy. Uh, but then there's also scenes, just scenes like where, for example, Woody and his girlfriend go for dinner with the boss. Yeah. And it's just that that goes on too long. Yeah, and it's like should, you get the point, you really like the boss. Most, yeah. And this, it was in this series, and it does continue in 90, where I start to feel like this feels a bit too much like soap opera. Yeah, I know what you mean. Where it's not focused, it's not tight, and so it just feels like, look, all these people exist and we're telling their stories. Yeah. And I think that's probably the intention. I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. But yeah, it just gets this soap opera feel about it, in terms of story, not in terms of the acting and all that, obviously. I, I, I kind of agree. I think it's about, it's with the TV series in general, and I'd say this about 86 as well, that I started to understand the criticisms other people had about the film where they, you know, felt it was just a bit too melodramatic and so on. I could kind of see it in the TV show. But I, you know, ultimately I do love this, but I agree it's just a bit baggy. And the culmination of all this is that Lol attempts suicide and, you know, they find her and she gets her stomach pumped and all that. And they they go into quite a kind of gratuitous detail about that process, which is nice, I think. Uh, oh, but this is precipitated by she's basically being haunted by kind of the memory of her father. And now this was a bit odd because yeah. it's not just she's having nightmares. She's literally seeing him and kind of almost communicating with him as a very solid thing. And she obviously knows he's not really there, 
but it's 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 further than it's it goes a bit further than oh post traumatic stress. It's like this is she's having like I don't know schizophrenic hallucinations or something. I I must say I'm not a huge fan of all that because it 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 kind of breaks the realism of the film and the first series to yeah. to have this kind of artistic way of portraying something in the film. It's it just you know it's like. It's like if the film had just had a dream sequence in the middle of it or something. It just tonally doesn't quite feel right. But what ultimately kind of I don't like about that whole thing is the conclusion to it, which is she attempts suicide and ultimately that solves all her problems because it means she gets Woody back, which I don't particularly like the Mm. message of that. But also she's saved by, or partly she's saved by this nurse who takes an interest in her and oh, yeah. there's a sort of suggestion that she's saved by the power of prayer, and I, I, I'm not quite sure what it's trying to say. Um, and and it I don't this, know. It is this weird kind of incongruous Irish nurse as well, which just feels like a real. I know there's accents from all over, but it's kind of odd to have such a stereotypical kind of stock it's like, character. Yeah, it's like, no, really, guys, she is Catholic. Don't worry. She is yeah, really exactly. <laughs> And it just feels like a half-baked thing. Because even if a character is doing something that I don't agree with personally, I can still get on board with that. Yeah, I know what But you it mean. just feels I, I... like weird kind of religious propaganda dropped in. I, yeah. I, I don't know what Shane Meadows' beliefs are or anything like that. Yeah. So I don't know how how much of it is just character work or what, but it I, definitely I, didn't sit right with me. You're, you're right, actually. And like suicide in films is something that often does rub me the wrong way. So it's kind of odd that it doesn't really bother me here that it does kind of solve her problems, but mm. I think it's because, uh, to me, This Is England 88 is very much Woody's story. I think he is the protagonist. It's told from his point of view. Um, I think Lol was the protagonist of 86, and that was told from her perspective. So I, I think I think that's perhaps why it doesn't really bother me too much here, that it's mm. it's more an inciting incident that activates him, to go and yeah. and reach out and accept that you know the gang are sorry and want to take him back because because he's very much the victim of his own circumstances throughout this as well he he's kind of refusing to engage with them out of pride I think out of the fact that they wronged him and he doesn't want to mm. let them get away with that uh, and it's very understandable but. You know, there's scenes like the one where he looks into the pub through the window on his bike, and it, it you know, he, he, you always get the sense that he could go and hang out with them. I think they specifically mm. say as much, and he doesn't want to. Yeah, but the, the the problem is that he sees Milky there, and it's like, well, I can't forgive him. So if they've chosen him over me, then yeah. fuck them, right? Yeah, which is fair enough. Right? And and that is the sort of thing in in groups of friends. If a relationship fractures, it can throw off the whole dynamic. I think yeah. it's totally yeah, yeah. relatable. Yeah, yeah, completely. But also, what I what I re- the, the probably the best moment in the whole thing for me is when Trevor comes and knocks on his door Christmas Day, and she tells him that Lol's. Oh my god! I that his moment. reaction, that moment of his response to it. It's just inc- the perfect, incredible absolutely perfect acting. acting. I don't yeah, know perfect. how he does it, but yeah, it's it's because it's again, it's such an odd. It's not the obvious way to play it. I don't know if I was an actor approaching that scene, I think I would think, well, you can't go too big and obvious up front because it'll seem insincere and fake mm. and melodramatic. 
and straight out the door he's like you're joking what you know he, he's straight in with like yeah. what you but know in a totally realistic way but it's, and you it's know at that point he doesn't believable. know if she's dead or yeah, what yeah, she yeah, just yeah. says he's had an overdose Hello. Right, Trev, sorry, love. this is this is why i love this one so much is just his acting takes me through the whole thing and i yeah. i love him <laughs> I, I want him to do more things that i like do you want to rate that as well i guess this is england 88 yeah i gave it a seven okay which I... is probably a little bit harsh but yeah just like the whole tone is i think it suffers as well from the it really op- it begins with just misery upon yeah, misery. Yeah, and it, it yeah. takes a long time to get any kind of humour into it, and then that just feels like a tangential subplot thing. Yeah. So I think that affected me as well. Yeah, I, I give it an 8 out of 10. I, I think yeah, it's so. a real shame that they didn't just make it a one-off special, because I do think... I think had they edited it down into a, a solid, you know, 90-minute TV special... Uh, TV movie or whatever, it could easily be my favourite out of the TV series altogether. Possibly more than the film. Probably not as much as the film, but I do love Joseph Gilgan that much. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that leads us into the, the final one. This is England 90, taking a kind of European art house cinema approach of following the gang through each month of the year. <laughs> That gives uh, each season. You mean, uh, so yeah, each this, season. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. That gives this a different feel because you are able to tell a story that's taking place over a year, rather than oh, we're just checking in with the gang. This is like a two-week period that we might yeah. be looking at here. And yeah, I think it gives it a slightly different feel. I don't think that's a bad idea necessarily. Yeah, it's it's a weird one for me. This because this is the this is the first point that the franchise crosses over into my lifetime. <laughs> uh, and obviously I don't remember 1990 particularly, but I remember the 90s, which they're touching on now. Um, it, it's kind of just weirdly closer to my own life experience than this franchise has ever been before, and I do find that a bit jarring, almost. Yeah. Not in a bad way, just, you know, it's odd. Yeah, and they make a sort of distinct change with the culture, the music, and the clothing and stuff mm. like that, and mm. it feels a little bit forced, <laughs> um, especially with the likes of kind of you know they go they go to a rave and they go yeah. to like oh it's like the Stone Roses are playing and the Happy Mondays. It's like they uh, did the same I, thing for every instance we've had of these characters. You know, eighty six was you know all the fashion on the char- the costumes had all changed from the movie. Uh, yeah. Then again into 88, and now Woody's a mod and all this sort of stuff. Um, they've been doing it the whole time, but this is the first time where it feels a bit like, yeah, in Congress, maybe some of the characters yeah. are being pushed into a 
place they wouldn't naturally have gone so you can represent that side of the 90s. And I, I like the fact that Woody isn't part of that anymore. His life has changed and he's not interested in fashion and he's not like he's not yeah. bothered about what subculture is part of anymore and all that. Yeah. I, I like that. They've moved on. But then you've got the likes of Gadget and Harvey and, 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 um, and then Kelly we see a lot more of here who, you know, they're younger so they're still a part of that. And they're still kind of just in the drug scene and all that. I think it works, but it just feels that little bit pushed. Yeah. I mean, I must say, I I think the first two episodes of this, certainly the first episode, are some of the weakest stuff out of This Is England altogether. I I just... I don't know. I have no real interest in the kind of Mm. light, jovial side of this one, just checking in with them and getting back to what we're doing. I, I think after everything that's come before, I almost just want to get back into the, you know, the meaty stuff a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the second episode, the summer episode, where they go to a, well, they're trying to find a rave and they find this kind of like folk dance yeah. <laughs> thing. It, it's, I mean, it's totally pointless, really. Yeah, but that's it. It just feels like, oh, well, we've got to do we can't do an episode called Spring and Summer and then Autumn and Winter. We have to do another one. <laughs> uh, again, yeah. it feels baggy like the previous thing did. And it, it's kind of a shame because... And, you know, it, it comes to a very uh, kind of inevitable feeling, um, but very grim, dark conclusion. Again, I, I don't know. There's, there's something to be said for... Stephen Graham, but you know, basically the conclusion is that Milky's family get wind that he's out of prison and mm-hmm. have sworn revenge on him for putting their relative in a hospital bed where he only just mm-hmm. pulled through and didn't die, and decide they're going to go and kill him. And there's this, you know, horrible, horrible drawn out sequence where Milky kind of takes him away to a cafe and you know something's coming and he kind of has this redemptive moment with Milky and it's really like upsetting because you know you can tell Milky wants to forgive him and let him have that redemption but he's kind of mm. in too deep I, I, I really like that um, yeah from Milky like uh, the way that's played it's quite underplayed really it's quite subtle because he never says oh I wish I didn't have to do this he never quite says that but it's like yeah, it's out of his hands. It's, it's he wants to forgive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um... and the, there there is a sort of significance to it all because what he's done is quite a cold, calculated act of revenge, even if it's not with his own hands. And there's something more malignant about that. Something more evil about that than what Combo did, yeah. oh, which completely. was in the moment and a moment of passion. And you can you could certainly argue that Combo is more dangerous. You wouldn't want to hang out with him. But what what uh, Milky does is is so much colder. And even with and but even there's grey area there because you know he obviously doesn't want to do it. But and I think Stephen Graham's performance is heartbreaking at the end. You know when yeah. that I, I have to say there there are. Very few moments in film and TV that have like really stayed with me, that have like disturbed me, um, and two of them involve Thomas Turgus as a, <laughs> a side character. So I don't know what that's about. Um, one of them is the film Eden Lake, 
and the ending of that film I found very disturbing in a way that kind of stayed with me. And that scene where they carry off uh, Combo to to kill him, and mm. he's just shouting, "I don't want to die." It's um, that's really stayed with me. I I don't know. I something about it I find very disturbing because he's so you don't want him to die, and it's it's mm. a sight. I don't know. You never. It's so rare. You know. You, there's a million people get film uh, get murdered in film and TV. It happens all the time. People get shot. People get killed. It's a horror movie. It's always meant to be horrible, but it's actually very rare that you see a character kind of distraught at the fact that they are going to die. Mm. A strong character as well. Yeah, it doesn't come up a lot. Uh, and, I, and there's something about it, and I think his performance here, that's really stayed with me. Out, like, more than anything in any of This Is England, that moment where they carry him away is kind of the the image etched into my mind. It's It's weird. Uh, so yeah, what would you give ninety out of ten? I give this one a seven as well. Um, for similar Eight reasons as well. This one, yeah. yeah, but you know, we're we're you know, we're comparing it to a film that is ten out of ten for both of us. Yeah, so that's yeah. why it's you know. Well, um, perhaps now we will go to interview with Thomas Tagus and Andrew Ellis. Uh, so we don't know exactly how that's going to slot in, but we'll figure it out, I suppose. <laughs> You guys both do uh, a podcast, which is a very good podcast, actually, by the way. I've, I've listened to it. Um, Cheers, Overrated everything. Um, that that's I thought the I'd one. Yeah. He's not saying the podcast's overrated. It's, that's the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I do genuinely uh, recommend that to our listeners. Um, I know I've mentioned podcasts that people do on the show before, but... This this is a sincere recommendation. This one's actually <laughs> good. I'm not just saying it. <laughs> Do we? Can we pay you by PayPal? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the premise is you have people on to chat about what they think is overrated, isn't it? And I mean, I, it's quite a loose yeah. premise. I think it just similar to this. That's now, a nice idea. It's kind of like a room one hundred and one yeah. thing, isn't it? You know, you pick something you don't like yeah. and moan about it for an hour. I've got um I've got the top rated the five highest rated movies on IMDb here, and I was just wondering uh, if you guys <laughs> feel any of these are overrated. Um, Go on. Twelve Angry Men. Have you seen that one? That's number five. Never seen, I've not it. seen it. I bet I've not seen oh. most of these. Yeah, I bet oh. you the uh, same. Go on. Number four, The Dark Knight. Love it. Uh, love it. Yeah. Um. Thought it was yeah. great. I love it, but what does my head in is when people say it's the best like that series is the best batman series and it is it is but um the old batmans the uh the tim burton ones were were, were really good Ooh. in their own way i guess as well yeah. i would say i would say they were you know different films but but good Very in their own way films, yeah. yeah i love the old animated series i think the more i think yeah. about it i think that's my that's my joker i think anyway but yeah Mark i must, I must yeah, say as much yeah. as i do like as much as i like the dark knight I do think it's overrated as well. Yeah, because people I, seem to talk about it as if it's the greatest film ever made. And oh yeah, I love it to pieces. I'm not quite convinced by that. Fourth best film of all time. I don't know. Mm, all right, no, no, number two and three: uh, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. I've not seen them. Uh, yeah, I've seen them, and the great films. I I only probably watched them about 
probably about four or five years ago. Um, yeah, they're good. And I don't know, I think it's hard to judge films like that now because films sort of made back then, you know, you could spend, say, 20 minutes on one scene. You can't, yeah. you can't do that now. People haven't got the attention span. And even myself as, as, a, as a film lover, you know, I find when I watch films like that, even The Irishman, brilliant film, and, it, and done in that way where, you know, they do spend kind of 10 minutes on one scene. Yeah. Um, I, I'm st- no matter how good it is, and it is great, I'm still kind of reaching for my phone because I'm a stupid <laughs> dumb millennial and that's just yeah. my my kind of comfort now. But yeah. yeah, great films though. Great films. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I wouldn't say they're overrated, I guess. See, we, I, I think the me, most my attention span yeah. is completely gone now. Like <laughs> I just can't get through yeah, it. Yeah, that's it, that's it. It's, it's just TikTok's not got the attention span. destroyed it, yeah. Bloody TikTok. Yeah. All the I kids just watching a... their one minute videos. <laughs> Exactly. I think exactly. the most uh, the most controversial episode of this podcast that we've done is probably our Godfather episode because we we pretty much came down on the side of yeah they're not that great. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. And, yeah, number one highest rated film of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Love it. You've seen that one? Great film. Yeah, seen it. Good film. Great film. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that's overrated. It's no. I well, I wouldn't say it's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> No, I wouldn't go that far. It's not Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's just kind of like, that's a preference thing. That's like saying, do you like a bounty or do you not like a bounty? Or what's better, <laughs> about, what's better a than a Mars bar or, a, a, or a, a fucking Snickers? It's what you like, what you mm. want to watch. You know, like, it, 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 it would be the best film in the world ever made to somebody, and I can appreciate yeah. that. Whereas, you know, it's it's kind of just a preference thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I love Shawshank Redemption. Mm. I, I think I, mean, I reckon that's so high because it's so. There's very few people who are going to hate that film. Like it, it's just kind of it's a nice, easy watch for the most part. Yeah, 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 definitely. What would you guys say is the most overrated film? Then not on that list, oh, just in general. Ever. Oh my god, um... <laughs> we did, we did, we did do this with the Godfather. Uh, Godfather Part 2 for me is definitely, I just don't think it's particularly good at all. I also have got a real dislike for Blade Runner as well, which is oh, obviously really? generally well loved. Yeah. Oh, yeah, We've done yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah, that, that's, I know, that's I don't a remember very well loved film. I know you yeah. didn't like it, did you? You're right. Um, I guess I'm not a big fan of, um, I don't even know, I'm not a huge fan of David Lynch stuff, but... That okay. is that is very much a kind of matter of taste, though. As yeah, well. <laughs> I was going to say that's just that I'm not, I'm just not on board with what he's trying to do there. Like he's doing it, it's just not for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because it, it it depends. I, I tried looking up a. Was yeah. overrated? What's that to? I thought Bird Box was very overrated. Oh, I've still not seen that one. Yeah. We were talking about that the other week. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. shout. What was the other one that that, that um shape was it the shape of water? Oh, yeah. the where she has sex with a fish. Just a it's just a woman fucking a fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's, and everyone was going, "This is amazing." This. I got called a weirdo when I had sex with a fish. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Grimsby lot. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you by the coast, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. Have you got anything else, Alan? That you want to? Uh, no, I don't want to overstay our welcome here, guys. Yeah. I, I, I'm very thankful that you've given us all this time. Yeah, thanks um, so much. No, guys. you're all right, lads. It's, it's not like we're doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want? Do you want to do a plug for your podcast? Will like in your own words, 
and we can drop that in. I'm Thomas Turgoose. <laughs> You're supposed to go, and I'm Andy Ellis. All right, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm Thomas Turgoose, and I'm Andy Ellis. We are overrated everything. So listen, it's great. <laughs> really good. It's gonna be on YouTube soon as well. <laughs> that was slick, very smooth. You can tell how closely you guys work together. We wrote that. We wrote that. Is that some of that improv we've been hearing about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was the finest improvisation. That's what happens. Yeah, without Shane here to direct it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Actually, yeah. I've got one more question before you go. Oh, all right. That I've just thought of. <laughs> um, what What are you up to now? What, what's going on uh, in your careers? I guess what are you, What are you working on? Um, I mean, nothing at the moment. Obviously, we're in quarantine. But... <laughs> um, I've just finished a ten part series for Sky One Ooh. called Intergalactic, um, which is a new sci fi. Um, and I did a film last year called Creation Stories, which is the story of Alan McGee, who's the music producer who found Oasis. Um, so that should be out later on in the year, hopefully. Um, and Andy's yeah. just been in everything that's being made at the minute, I suppose, isn't he, mate? <laughs> oh, fuck, I was. <laughs> no, um, I've I've just literally, before this quarantine started, just finished a, uh, an episode lead in um, Britannia, which is a Sky oh, yeah. Atlantic series. Yeah. Um, uh, and I shot a film last year as well that's due to come out called The Owners with Maisie Williams, who played mm. Arya Stark famously. Mm. Um, yeah, just just sitting and waiting for that one to come out. I think because uh, it's, it's it's a really nice, really nice film. Very nice, nice. Are yeah. You guys, are you guys have you ever been interested in directing, or are you just st- straightly acting? Yeah, I've done it. I've got like a a little production company. Um, I've done a directing and writing for uh, online social channels like yeah, Unilad. Oh yeah. right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to run their I used to run their in house comedy uh, department doing writing sketches, directing, fucking you know, building props, everything that needed doing really. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 currently developing a um a web series at the moment with uh, a production company to to hopefully get it off the ground after uh, we were we were supposed to be starting soon but the world's yeah. gone mental everything's on hold <laughs> <laughs> i'm I, yeah every time Don, donald trump says you know two weeks i'm like yeah come on donald two weeks let's get through it <laughs> all right guys well we won't keep you any longer thank yeah, you very thanks much thanks so much guys for, uh, for cheers Assuming we've just come out of an interview or we didn't go to interview just then, uh, how are we going to wrap this episode up? We could just talk about what we're doing in the foreseeing future. All right. Uh, like what? So, hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, we obviously, we generally line up our episodes in terms of films that are coming out. We, we try and sort of tally up. Uh, 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 we'll look at a previous film when the sequel's coming out, that sort of thing. Our Our schedule has been thrown into chaos recently because everything's cancelled and nothing's coming out and so we find ourselves in a bit of a we can do whatever the fuck we want kind of situation so we're hoping in the in the coming next couple of few months or probably yeah it'll be months before cinema sort of gets back on track yeah. we we we've got a 
we've got freedom to do what we want, but like with that comes, <laughs> you know, a lot of options. So we have put up a Patreon vote. Um, yes, yes, uh, we have a Patreon account. Yeah. Uh, if you guys liked what you heard, uh, please do go and chuck uh, some money at us for as little as one dollar a month you yeah. will get access to a whole plethora of uh, diminisodes where we review all sorts of films and uh, that's generally where we review recent releases that we've yeah. just seen but we, we do all sorts from there we do little Q&A episodes with uh, questions sent in from listeners we, we uh, put up an episode of the account of Calvin and Alan going to the James Bond secret cinema experience yeah, that they yeah. recorded like on location. There's some cool stuff up there. Uh, and another thing we do is uh, allowing people to vote for the outcome of future episode topics. So mm-hmm. uh, we have just put up a poll for a trilogy. We, we've decided, because there's so much space in our schedule now, we're going to cover one of the big trilogies that we haven't already done on the show we've already done star wars we've already done godfather uh, godfather back to the future the classics toy story um tell you what we haven't done yet is the lord of the rings trilogy Mm -hmm. we haven't done george a romero's dead trilogy night Mm -hmm. of the living dead dawn of the dead day of the dead uh we haven't done the three colors trilogy before sunrise the dollars trilogy the matrix trilogy and we haven't done the human centipede trilogy so if you (laughs) would like if you would like to have your say uh selecting one of those for us we will be covering them in a future uh season of episodes probably i think depending on how it all goes i think we'll probably be doing a separate episode for each film yeah so that is patreon.com forward slash dim returns uh, we only asked for a dollar a month, uh, and so we put out these diminisos. They're usually about 20 minutes long. I think we do, on average, one a week, but there's not a strict schedule to it. We just sort of do it as and when something comes up. But we try and yeah. put them out pretty regularly. There's There's been over 50, and we've been doing it for about a year, I think. so. One a month for a dollar would be, would be a bargain. And yeah. realistically, you're getting three or four, you know. And, you know, ultimately, you're helping us carry on producing the podcast, such as, such as it well, is, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. obviously free. Um, so we do appreciate, it and um, we, you know, we appreciate people throwing us a bit of money. I don't think we've got any money coming in now because of coronavirus. So uh, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. our personal lives, I mean. So uh, yeah. that's. Uh, yeah. So if you've got any great ideas or think suggestions, now is the time to put them because we're actually listening. Usually we have a pretty heavy schedule planned out months ahead, and we have the yeah. odd gap where we'll throw in a Bond film or something, but. Yeah, we've got we kind of got a lot of scope at the moment. So if you've got any ideas, just throw us. Uh, hang on, what are we at? We're at Twitter, Twitter or Instagram at Dim Returns Pod. Uh, that's yeah. the, probably the best place to contact us. So um, yeah, yeah, and, and follow us on that. Follow us on Instagram. Put up pictures and stuff. Yeah, it's nice. Facebook as well. Yeah, uh, we Face- do all the all yeah. the social medias. Uh, yeah, because we were going to be doing Black Widow next week, but that's obviously not coming out now. We were going to be doing Scooby Doo for Scoob, but that's been delayed. Mm. So, you know, Fast and the Furious 9's not coming out this year now, so, uh, uncertain times. But it means we've got a chance to do some films that we might not normally do, so throw some suggestions at us, and we shall consider. Hopefully you will have more time to listen to us. Oh, oh, and by the way, if you're a new listener who liked this, who hasn't listened to us before, but came on because of the uh, guests reeling you in, do, do consider checking out some other episodes at uh, dimreturns.com mm-hmm. uh, or just, you know, whatever 
podcasting app you use. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're on all the big ones. This is episode 202, so we've yeah. got quite a significant back catalogue of things. You'll definitely be able to find something that you've seen and are interested in back there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, check it out. We're normally a lot funnier than this, but it was a serious film. All right, okay. see you next week. Bye. Bye.